didn't have friends, didn't smoke, drink, drugs, parties, yeah, whatever, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh-uh. I trained, you know, not only seven days a week and twice a day, I trained three times a day. And by following that implement and really lasering in, you know, I was the Canadian champion, North American champion, and at 17, I was the undefeated champion of the world. Are live. What's up, athletes? Ironman and Beyond community, my friends and family, cycling and ultra endurance fanatics, Ironman finishers, swimmers, runners, wanna be sure athletes, and of course, all the busy high achievers all over the world. This is Coaching Rela, and we're gonna have Vineta in a bit. She's just doing some producing activity behind the scenes. I wanted to tell you that we are so excited to have this weekly live show because today we are gonna blow up your computer, your phone, your iPhone, whatever you have. <laughs> because today we have a very valuable topic that I know if you are an athlete or whether you wanna be an athlete, this is something that you are gonna have, you're gonna be able to learn. Our topic today is making history, winning and setting no limits. So if this is your first time joining in in our live weekly show, say hello. I want to know who you are. This is a two-way conversation. We do this free live weekly training in our exclusive Ironman and Beyond for our athletes, but today is special. We're broadcasting it in my timeline. So are you excited for today's live show? Because I am super excited. So if you're one of those who have been waiting for this live training, just comment down below, say excited. If you cannot wait to get all pumped up and be inspired and to get on your trainer or your bike right now or first thing tomorrow morning, say, you know what? You're going to get a pen and paper, tune in and listen today. Because today, that topic, making history, winning, and setting no limits, our special guest will help us uncover that topic and our special guest. Let me introduce you to her, okay? So, but before that, if you're listening live, just say hashtag live or replay, hashtag replay. Let me see the names. Who are you? Type in. And Vinetta is actually giving, you know, giving me feedback here. Just so you know, we could have a two-way conversation. Let me introduce you our guest. Our guest right now, she's actually calling in from Canada live, live. Everyone, if you're tuning in, feel free to actually type your comments, engage, say your questions. All right, this is the time because we have it. I'm so excited. All right, let me introduce you. She is the only one and only female in the history of race across America to win first place overall this year in the solo division. That means she actually beat all the female and male solo cyclists this year. What is race across America? This is actually you're cycling across America about 3,000 miles. So what she did is actually she did that with a little over 11 days on her own, on her own, all right? She is 52 years old. She has been featured in New York uh, New York Times, Bicycling Magazine, Global News, Valley News, and many other publications. 
besides being ultra cycling endurance, she is actually a world kickboxing champion title at 17 years old. You will learn that she did not just excel in cycling, but she excelled in other areas. She joined the Israeli army. She became the first female elite commando instructor. She knows Krav Maga very well. She's an un she was an undercover police officer in narcotics, as well as security and intelligence service. Actually, she became also duathlon champion. She was with Canadian national cycling team. In other words, everyone, she's a badass woman. <laughs> so, so without further ado, let me introduce Leia Goldstein from Canada. How are you doing, Leia? I am so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Well, it's been, what, two months since after you won that race across America? Yeah, two months. Yeah. Do you miss your bike or have you been biking since then? Oh, yeah. I mean, I started riding probably like as soon as I got back home, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you, um, when you actually started that race across America, that was June. Did you know that you were going to win? I mean, that wasn't in the cards. I mean, we had, I had trained because uh, for two years, because um, in 2020, obviously it was canceled because of COVID. You right. know, we were after a kind of a 10 day and change record, right? So, and then there was, you know, Mark from the United Kingdom was there. He's a nine day or so. I mean, that wasn't really what we were thinking, but we were thinking, you know, I could make probably podium, maybe second or third, possibly. So that was kind of in our cards. But, you know, with Race Across America, you don't know. It's 3,000 miles. Anything can happen, right? So you yeah. can't claim victory, you know, till you actually cross the finish line. Yeah. And actually, uh, you've changed also your sleeping habits, your strategy from the 2019 RAM that you did. Did you have also the same crew that you had in 2019? I had mostly the chorus was pretty well the same. And then I had some more, I mean, I had to primarily take um, an American crew just because of, again, COVID, you know, it sure. just, the, the complications of coming That's back and forth true. through the border. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, primarily it was, it was the same, just a few new people, but you know, they knew me, they'd done it two other times before. So we had a plan going into Ram, you know, but what we weren't expecting was the, the 115 Fahrenheit or the 50 Celsius that that, that hit us. I mean, that yeah, was I mean, like a nuclear ball. already grueling. And then now <laughs> it was over 100. Yeah, was it oh, yeah. all throughout the states that you passed through? Is that one? I mean, I mean there, was a, there was a heat warning wave through the desert, right? You know, and I think it was, I said, I don't, I don't know the calculations in Fahrenheit, but it was about 50 Celsius, which is extremely hot. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. And it wasn't just through the the, the desert or through um, you know Arizona oh, and California. Yeah. The heat wave went right right across through California, through Illinois, um, through Colorado. You know, it was insane. Uh, it, it never really let up. Even at nighttime, it would you know it would cool down to like thirty five Celsius, which I don't know is what ninety Fahrenheit or at something. Ninety five to one hundred four Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it was hot, right? Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was super challenging. So it was really a race of, you know, of survival, right? Who can take the heat? Because I think, you know, there's only three finishers and that tells you the extent. Yeah, and no. even a lot of teams had dropped out because 
it was insane. I mean, it was just, I had, I, I just don't know how to explain it to you in words, how the feeling it's like, um, you know, going into a sauna, take a jacket, put a toque on and jump on your bike on a trainer and pedal as fast as you can yeah. for, you know, 12 and days. It's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. You were actually getting sunburned even with the Jersey on. Oh yeah. I got, I got blistered right through my Jersey. That's how the intensity of the heat. Right. I mean, like I said, and even like the, everything burned, like, because with the sunscreen, like, you know, you're constantly dousing yourself with water. So it's washing off. Right. But I mean, all three of, all three of us, the finishers, I mean, you look at us, we looked horrendous after we came across the line. Right. Yeah. yeah it wasn't a pretty sight. <laughs> um, on the five kilometer before the finish line, is it five kilometer or one mile? I it was one mile. One yeah. mile. I did read that you fell on the ground. What happened there? I think, well, it was very hot, like through Maryland, I was overheated and was tired. I wasn't drinking right, eating right. So I think my electrolyte balance just went out of whack. My heart rate humped up to jumped up to like 200. And I, my body just started to like quiver or whatever. And I fell off the bike onto a patch of grass, right? You know, and thank God. And I couldn't get up, right? I couldn't, it was like, you know, I don't remember a long time ago that runner that was kind of crawling across the line. So my crew is, you know, trying to cool me down, relax me, get my heart rate down. Nothing's working. So what they did is they took my cycling shoes off. One of my crew members gave me her oversized running shoes and I started walking my bike, right? Because I was kind of leaning on it. You know, I, I, like I said, I never experienced anything like that before. And then if you look at the real finish coming into the finish, I actually have my two crew members running beside me and I've got pink running shoes on. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I can't pedal. So like I said, you can't claim victory till you actually cross that finish line. That must be scary. Or did you when you when you actually was it fainting when you fell? Did you get scared? Like what's going on with me? Or did your crew said, can we call an ambulance? And what were you able to say? No, no, we're just going to oh, they they did. Because when I, yeah, you know, yeah. when I crossed the line, you can see uh, the fire department, whatever the ambulance came, they took my vitals and whatever. And they actually wanted to take me to the hospital. Right. But I said, no, I'm not going. I, I got to make it to that parade. Know, finish, right? You might as well crawl it. <laughs> I know. Oh, hey, oh, if I, oh. listen, I can crawl as long as my bike comes with me. Right. You know, but I was fine. I just think it was the toll. I mean, like, look at the conditions, all of us. I mean, even Eric, the first man, he ended up in the hospital getting an IV. So, I mean, I don't think that's so surprising that the body just said, you know, screw you basically. Right. <laughs> but it just happened to be a mile before the finish. Right. So as I said, with Ram, you can't make any victory speeches till you actually cross the line. Right. You know, it was, it, it was scary because I said I never, never experienced anything like that before. Well, it looks like uh, Vinetta just joined us and was able <laughs> to do all the producing. Let's welcome Vinetta. Vinetta's helping us out. And actually, Hi guys. I see Hi. A, a lot of people joining. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Bella. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Amy. Wow. Bernadette's joining. Um, Everyone. We have right, a lot good. of people. And there's some questions even. <laughs> okay, awesome. we're going to read that up. Let's talk more. So how was it? So you, you walked your bike and then now the crowd is there let me jump on the bike <laughs> well no 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 wait a second i was walking where nobody saw I didn't okay, all right. see me so as soon as i got to the top of this little uh, you know this little hill 
it was a descent kind of into the real finish, right? So then yeah. I hopped onto the bike and I kind of just coasted down, right? You know, I'm just trying to keep my balance and praying to God that I'm not going to, you know, oh, fall yeah. over. Sure, and then there's the, the parade finish is where you see all the people, right? That's not the real finish, right? So I'm talking about the, you know, that's where I actually could put my cycling shoes back on because, you know, that's I had true. these big pink, you know, size 10, whatever <laughs> running shoes on when I was crossing the finish line. If you look, I look at the video again, you'll see it, right? Yeah, I did actually. So when you saw it, how was that feeling of actually crossing that finish line and knowing that you made the history to become the only female in the 39 years of race across America? And that was the night, it was at night and you're finishing all these people like, wow, how did that feel? Well, the funny thing, I mean, when I, it took a while to digest that, right? But when I went into the, into the parade finish and I see all these people there, I go, what the hell are all these people here? I thought there was a concert going on or something. I had no idea it was for me, right? I go, damn, (laughs) I must have did something big today, right? You know? So yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, how can I explain it? It was incredible, right? You know, but, um, but actually crossing the real finish line, I was kind of disappointed because of the 11 days and, you know, yeah. like you said, changed three hours. It wasn't our goal, but under the circumstances, that's what I could pull off. So, you know, either or, you know, you got to take what you get, right? And be happy that you made it across the line any which oh, way, yeah, even if it's absolutely. 20 days, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, just finishing the 3,000 miles yeah. is a big thing. And then now you you just made the history. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And then we're, we actually are very appreciative that you're able to uh, help us uncover this making history, winning and setting no limits. I know you have a book and documentary film with setting no limits. And I'm sure you are the expert of that with all your history. So uh, I want to ask you, um, so everyone... We are here, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are unraveling or talking about the topic of making history, winning, and setting no limits. So if you have any questions, just comment down below. Vinetta will read it. And we're gonna we're so happy and so fortunate to have Leia to help us out on this one. So I wanna we wanna ask you, um, how did you start wanting to accomplish big goals? Was that when you just, you know, when you were a kid? Well, I mean, my, yeah, you can start when I was a kid. I mean, when I, you know, we came from the Middle East, so my parents didn't speak English very good. I didn't speak English good. I had a lisp. I had a learning disability. My left leg was growing faster than my right leg. So I had a limp. And so what happens in school when you're different, you get bullied, right? So, I mean, and I didn't want to tell my parents, didn't want to tell the teachers. So my solution was seeing Bruce Lee on TV and going, damn, I got to do whatever he's doing. Because she was fighting like 30 people. I go, I only have to fight off eight. I'm going to learn that that Kung Fu, right? And that's how the Taekwondo started, right? You know? Um, and so then from there, I got really good. And the reason why, one of the reasons why I got really good is because my father was a national champion in the sport of boxing. Mm. So, you know, you mix Taekwondo and boxing, you get more of a kickboxer, right? You know? And I just, that's kind of of how it excelled from there like I got my second degree black belt and by the way all the bullying did stop you know remind you let me just go back on I never had to fight or anything because you know um 
you know, mental strength is much more powerful than physical strength, right? It was a matter of me going to school, you know, not like like a submissive dog with its tail between its legs. I wasn't afraid anymore. And someone who is confident, they stand different, they act different, they, they talk different. And that was enough to stop my situation, right? You know, um, so it was a whole, it was a whole mental thing, right? And then from there, looking for a bigger challenge, I went into a kickboxing studio, the kickboxing coach there saw, you know, this, you know, a skilled kickboxer, but wanted to teach me a lesson because I kind of had this big head, sure. he put me in a boxing ring, brings in, brings in this, his most skilled fighter. He beats me up. Right. You know? oh. And I'm, and I go, Oh my God, you know, I was, I was completely deflated because I was a second degree black belt. And just as I was leaving, well, he basically told me to, to leave the gym. Right. And then he stops me at the door and he go, and he says, I want you to go home and you want you to think, right. I go home, think about it. I'm like I said, didn't want my mother to see trying not to cry because crying isn't tough. I come back the next day. He sits me down and he says to me, 17 years old, I make you world champion. And, and he did. And that's what happened. Yeah. At 17. I mean, it was, and I learned, and I learned too, though, what does it take to be the best at anything you you know decide to do? And that's complete dedication because as a, you know, from 13 years old to 17, I took correspondence so I could train more. I didn't have friends, didn't smoke, drink, drugs, parties, yeah, whatever, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh-uh. I trained, you know, not only seven days a week and twice a day, I trained three times a day. And by following that implement and really lasering in, you know, I was the Canadian champion, North American champion, and at 17, I was the undefeated champion of the world. So basically 100%. It's 110%, absolutely. So... At 13 years old until 17, you're like, you know what? Because your coach told you, I'm yeah. going to make you a champion. Right. Well, he, you know, he told me, he told me the rules. He, you know, he basically said smoke, you know, smoking, no drinking, no drugs, no friends, no phone, train seven days a week, train twice a day, you know. Um, and I did. And I, that's exactly what I did. I mean, my life was, you know, and I, and I studied at the same time. So to really balance everything. Right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was my goal is I, I was determined to be the best in the world. And, and, you know, following those principles kind of led me in, you know, led me into do great other great things after that. Right. You know, with, of course, I learned other challenges and stuff, but that was kind of the stepping stone into, you know, really going after my goals and getting there no matter what. That's, uh, that's very encouraging for a lot of children very encouraging you know like actually introduced to that mindset of just going after it like going to be the best person or best athlete or just going for the dream right well I mean exactly because I think too I mean in my mind you know friends good times parties they're always going to exist they're not going anywhere but yeah. unique and special opportunities won't and you have to take that when you get it and even as an adult right you know what I mean right. don't think about oh I won't be able to see my friends oh I won't go through but think about the great things that you can do right and that what will happen you'll have lots of times for those things they're, they're never going anywhere you know what I mean but I think with that kind of mindset when you start at a young age too um, and then it gives and I find too that kids are, are getting more into that groove of right of really lasering in and it keeps them out of trouble on top of it right yeah. so yeah well that's amazing um yeah because it's not and then from the start you you know as a kid you started there and then in your career too you also like okay you're like going up in the rank for even when you're in the israeli also in the as a undercover police officer well i mean i'm just say that you know, Taekwondo and kickboxing was never my goal. I knew what I wanted to do when I was seven years old. 
I knew I would go to the Middle East. I knew I'd be in the military and I knew I'd work for some form of intelligence at seven, but I never said anything because I knew members of my family were involved in that type of work. And that was just kind of almost like a calling, right? Like kickboxing and the Taekwondo was just a solution to a problem you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that led to, you know, a winning a championship. Right. But I mean, at a very young age, I had a something set in my mind and that's exactly what I did after I won the world championships. I went back to the Middle East and I joined the IDF, the Israel Defense Force. That's amazing. And how did the uh, like how did the cycling came into place? That's a good question. Well, I was uh, I was, as you said, the first female instructor to train the commando. So yeah. I was positioned in base eight, which is a very high secure military intelligence base. And we have to it's not like we stand there with a clipboard and watch all the soldiers. You know, we have to do the training, too. So when I wasn't training the soldiers, I was training myself. And a lieutenant there, he saw me and he he was also the national champion in the sport of triathlon, right? Oh, okay. Introduced, that's when he introduced me to the bike, right? That's and then true. that's how the duathlon. And so then he got we got release passes, whatever, to go out of the base and to start riding. And I absolutely loved it, right? And then that's kind of how the birth of the duathlon started. Yeah, true. And then now you went to become Israeli national in, in cycling also, you become in cycling team. Is that correct? That's after. Yeah. Like, man, after, I mean, I did do Athens. I mean, it wasn't my goal to be a, a pro cyclist or whatever. I wanted to, you know, I had other fish to fry. That was just something to keep me in shape and for mental, you know, stability and therapy. Right. You know, when I worked for the Belush, it's an intelligence agency um, undercover. Uh, and at 30 years old, I had, that's when I had decided that I wanted to leave it all and kind of pursue a cycling career and become a pro cycling at 30, which was, woohoo, people thought I was nuts, right? (laughs) And that's when I left, but I didn't, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit. I had a deal with the, with intelligence that I would be working outside of the country, which would allow me to train full time, right? So it's not like I just left my work and then, you know, I just rode into the sunset. I had to balance the two. You're still balancing it. Yeah, so when you're saying, you did it in the beginning for mental stability and sort of mental fitness. What do you mean? Like, how does well, our jobs are very stressful, right? You know, I mean, I did certain assignments too, um, that were very dangerous. So sometimes, you know, you know, when you have, uh, when you're stressed out or you have an issue, you know, you're always going to solve it and you always feel better after a, a run or a swim or a ride. Right. I mean, for me, it's either, or, I mean, I'm not a swimmer, but I'll go for a run or, or a bike ride and I'll always figure it out and I'll always feel better. Right. You know? So I think I just did it because it was so stressful where I was. I mean, I couldn't have any communications with anyone in the outside world. Right. You know, so, and no friends, no nothing. It just, it was my little bubble or my, whatever, yeah. my base. And they wouldn't barely release us because they didn't want us to be out too much. Right. You know, so I had the salvation of my bike to kind of keep me sane. Right. You know, rather than go to debriefing, I'd go, I'm going for a 50 K ride. You know what I mean? So, and that was my, my therapist. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard other people say that, that sports is really, really good with that. Of course. Yeah. More people saw that and and took that, took that opportunity to actually do that for themselves. Yeah, well, it's a release too. I mean, I think another uh, example too, which is a little bit off topic, but like even the kickboxing, hitting something, right? You know, it's it's great, like just to to release, you know, um, just to break a sweat. And like I said, it's the endorphins that are the release of endorphins. It just makes you feel better. It clears your mind, and you know, it kind of puts you into the perspective. You know, is it really that bad, right? You know. So I think it kind of just changes your focus, right? So I think, you know, rather than, you know, going for a bottle of booze or whatever, bag of chips, go for a run you know, or a ride yeah. and you'll figure it out. When you grab a bike, 
like were you good at it already or did of course you did have to kind of learn first right like okay, well, the listen, best way how was that i was good because i was in israel there was nobody to come meet to get there so when i left i mean i was a big fish in a small pond but when i came to north america i was a shrimp in an ocean right and i got my ass handed to me right you know like seriously when i went into like, you know, kind of sort of, I won uh, the beginning races because, you know, we were all beginners and I could rely on my fitness. But once I kind of reached the pro level of racing, I would go into these races and I would come in so last that I wouldn't even know where the finish was because everybody oh, left. Oh, I'd see my car in an empty parking lot. I go, okay, damn, this must be it, right? And it wasn't just once or twice. It was multiple yeah. times, right? Because yeah. in pro racing, it's not a matter of just fitness. You got to use your noodle. But I didn't, right? I just thought, oh, okay, I'm really fit. I can just rely on that, right? Sure. But, you know, pro cycling is like a chess game. You have to think before you make your move. Right. And so it took me a while to figure it out, right? But I'm telling you, I mean, I could write a book on how many races I had lost, right? <laughs> yeah. Till I figured it out, right? But it was kind of embarrassing for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But even though you're feeling embarrassed or even though you're still learning, you're still showing up. So even though all those, you know, like you did not really get to win, you still keep doing it. What oh, I mean, oh, of course. It? What, what yeah. is that one that makes you just stay there even though you don't win like right away? Because a lot of athletes, they're just like, boom, I just want to win there. And then, of course, they get so damn when they don't get what they want. Because, well, well, that's natural. But how do no, you yeah, I mean, do overcome uh, those? For, I mean, not only that, I mean, I had the Federation telling me, they said, you know, you're 30 yeah. years old, right? You know, you've, you've, you've missed the boat. What are you doing? Right. So not only was I, did I suck, I also didn't have the support of my Federation. Right. So it did take me, but I mean, honestly, if you don't have the ability to fail, right, then you'll never have the ability to succeed. Right. And I'm not afraid to fail. Right. And listen, mm -hmm. it took me eight years to finally reach kind of the peak of my cycling career where I started breaking records on climbs, you know, what I mean, on stage races, winning national championships. Eight years it took me of embarrassment, you know what I mean, of failing, of people saying, what are you doing, of struggling, being independent, you know what I mean? And even then, even when I like if you look at my history at 39, I, I was at the peak of my kind of career. And that's when the 2009 crash happened. Right. It was like the mother of all crashes. Crashes when I went to, you know, was in Bend, Oregon in Cascade Classic, descending at 80 kilometers an hour, 50 miles or whatever that may be, and I ended up landing on my face, right? I don't know if you've, so yeah. instant facelift, I broke every bone in my body. And the doctor said, you know, career over, yeah. you know, yeah. your ability to walk properly without a walker or a cane is questionable, but you'll never race again. And so kind of hitting rock bottom again and getting my ass back up. So that took another, you know, couple of years. But then I came back even stronger after that, right? Because of the determination and the willingness and the sacrifice of wanting to get there. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you do it? So you said several times, somebody told you, you can't do it, you're last, you're whatever. And, and all this opposition and all this like proof that you can't do it. And then proof that you like... Like down, there's so down, many things going so down. Many. Doctors telling you they're never going to the be doctor. able to do it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if I listen, if I got a dollar for every time somebody said I couldn't do something, I'd be a multimillionaire, right? You know what I mean? Like, like, and if like, I 
But listen, but if I believed all of that, then I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to both of you, right? You know, exactly. um, it's just, you know, it's 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 a matter of getting yourself back up, right? And and you know what you can do, right? I mean, a lot of times we look for validation from other people, right? But mm-hmm. you're the one, That's it's your, your, your biggest support system is you. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. You got to listen to yourself and stop listening to everybody else because it doesn't matter what they say, right? You know what I mean? So, and I didn't, I didn't care what they said. I was going to show them because what is your best revenge when somebody wants, you know, when somebody says you can't succeed is succeeding. It's showing them what you're made out of, right? I like it when people say I can't do things. It motivates me even more to succeed and say, you know, go nanny, nanny, boo, boo on you. Right? Yeah, I know. know? Exactly. Right. Especially, you know, like other actually individuals, they look at, Oh, I'm already old. Like, oh, you know, like actually when I started, like, what are you doing? Why are you still aiming for big goals? You're already old. Like, what the old? I know, <laughs> exactly. You, you look great. You look healthy. You look so fit and you're 52 years old and you win that race across Listen, America. When I turned 30, I stopped counting. I, I mean, seriously, this is a true story. I stopped counting. During my 30s and 40s, people would ask me how old I was and I just make up a number. I go, oh, I'm 36. Oh, I'm 32. I don't know. I, even now, I still have to go. I, I just say my the year. I was born in 1969. I don't care because people hang on to that number. Like that's what their life depends on, right? You know what I mean? I don't care if I'm 90. You know, you don't stop living, you know, when you're still alive right? Mm-hmm. You're still alive, you start moving, start, you know, you keep, keep setting goals, right? So I don't focus on that number. I never have and never will. I'm wondering if there's any other thing that would actually stop you from like, for example, let's say you are still set on like cycling career, right? Is there well, yeah, I mean, at all that listen, I had a 10 day goal, right? For Ram. So yeah, that's, so, okay. the that's, that's it there. <laughs> That's good. So we're, yeah, not necessarily next year. I'll do probably the sister race Ram and shorter races, but we're, we're now I'm building a new crew for, you know, 2023 to come back to Ram. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so let's go to another topic, which is winning. Okay. There's different meanings of uh, winning for different people. What is a, what, how do you define winning? I mean, like, it's just a matter of going after a goal and getting there, right? It's not necessarily coming in first, you know, first place, you know, like, for example, taking somebody who's never run a marathon before, you're obviously probably, well, probably, I'm not going to say obviously, probably not going to win. But if you have a set goal of five hours, whatever, and you did that five hours, hey, you just won. That's awesome, right? So it depends. It's, it's, it's different for everybody, right? But it's a matter of reaching your finish line, whatever that may be, whether it's first, last, but whatever your personal goal is, that's winning. And you said earlier, you've lost competitions and you've overcome it by just because you just get after it and show up every time. Of course. How do you, you know, that's how you improve, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's progression. It's learning. It's getting smarter. It's getting fitter. It's, um, you know what I mean? It's, it's refocusing, right? And it's dedication and sacrifice, right? I mean, everybody, look, look I, I don't have the natural talent that I have, you know, that I had in kickboxing and Taekwondo, I was quite talented and I had a gift for that in cycling. I don't, but you don't need a gift in anything you choose to do. Cause there's a gift we all have. And that's called the gift of work. Right. And that's what I had to do. I knew to be a pro cyclist, I had to work 10 times harder than my competitors. If I wanted to be and race in that category and that level of racing. So was I willing to do that work and willing to sacrifice? Right. So that's what you have to ask yourself is how much are you willing to sacrifice? And every time you fail, like you fall down, how many times the ability to kind of to get back up and keep moving forward. And that's what counts. Right. It's a matter of just pursuing it and not, again, not letting your fear dictate your path. 
That's a lot of value. Everyone, are you guys taking notes of all of this? We have Leia <laughs> live here, champion of racing across America of 2021, who just made history to become the first female to beat all female and male cyclists. We have a lot of people listening. We have Naga, Simon, Pauline, Amy, Bell, and, and a lot more people. Oh my God, there's a, <laughs> a lot of people. Okay. So Yesenia says, what a powerful woman. Yes, thank you. Powerful. Um, so let's see. Uh, so what are the top three characteristics that someone should practice? But you already said that. But what are the top three things that a person who wants to win should have? Well, obviously, it's um, it's dedication, right? It's being consistent, right? And also not being afraid to take uh, criticism, right? It's a lot of, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we we get insulted, right? Or if someone say, you know, that you're not good enough or just uh, trying to improve somebody's abilities, right? You know, we take it as an insult. So you know what? Take it, take anything you can, right? You know, I think that's that's the biggest key is being able to to take criticism and, and to deal with it and to make yourself better, right? Just go back to when I was a kickboxer, mind you, remember I was a world champion, undefeated. Not one time did my coach, Alan Chang, ever compliment me, not one time. He, with the things that I was good at, I knew he didn't need to blow my head up. He only focused on the things that I was bad at and to make it better. Even when I won the world championship, it was clearly unanimous. He whispered in my ear, you could have done better. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just like the race across America, there's still 10 hours there. Exactly. Well, exactly. It. I mean, it's setting those high, those high expectations, exactly. right? You know what I mean? And that that's what it takes. I mean, it's, it's like your passion. It's how much are you willing to give yourself, right? And again, and if you don't succeed, it doesn't matter. You keep moving forward and you keep doing what it, you need to do in order to get there, right? It's resilience for sure. Getting, it's getting better every single day, going, setting the bar higher and higher yeah. on your... You have these personal goals, right? Everybody has their own personal goals, right? You know, but don't be afraid to kind of step out of your comfort zone, you know? I mean, a big thing is, too, is learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes any sense, right? And that's super important to become successful in anything you choose to do, right? You know, um, and again, it's all up here. Everything you do, it's, it's what's going on in your mind. Actually, I did read that one. So uh, let me, what, in, in one of the articles that I read was that it was 60% mindset, the race across America. Could you tell us more about that? Oh, I'm going to go. It's even 75% mindset. <laughs> do it. Well, li listen, you know, it's really your ability to push yourself beyond your limits and learning, you know, to, to tolerate pain, right? Because let's say you and I went into a race. You're super fit. You've trained, whatever. But mentally, you know, you crack quite easily. Me, I'm not as fit as you, but my mind is like steel, right? I can guarantee you in a long ultra race, I'll beat you 100%, right? Because in an ultra endurance race like Ram, you can't really physically train for 3,000 miles, right? But you have to have the ability to sit there and take pain, you know what I mean? And, and kind of keep awake. And it's a combination of everything. Because it's not a matter of if, but when you're going to experience back, neck, knee, constipation, diarrhea, swelling. Mother Nature's going to throw everything at you, right? So you have to deal with those elements and I don't care how physically fit you are it's how mentally fit you are in order to challenge it and kind of go beyond the you know those thoughts of oh my god I just want to quit so how do you do it how do you go beyond those thoughts 
well, for one, it's training, right? I kind of try to replicate as much as I can in my own train, uh, training, you know, for example, like, I, you know, as I live in Canada, so I don't have the luxury of riding outside all year like you guys right. do, right? So I have to sit my butt on a trainer and stare at a white wall <laughs> for like 12, 13 hours. And I don't use any stimulation. I don't look at my phone. I don't listen to a radio. I don't look at the television. I just kind of replicate of what it's going to feel like when I'm in Kansas for 19 hours staring at a, you know, at cows in a, in a road, right? You know, and um, the same with the hours, right? And, and sleep deprivation, right? So it kind of replicate as much as the torture I'm going to go through in RAM. I kind of experience the same torture in my training, right? So that's what I do training at all hours of the day, right? You know, sometimes three o'clock in the morning, sometimes three o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes nine o'clock. So you know what I mean? It's just a matter of, you know, like I said, again, replicating what what it's, what it perhaps will feel like in Race Across America. Strategy. There you go. Putting yourself into uncomfortable uncom- situations just so you can get through it later. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it helps for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So if you're still tuning in here, Simon yeah. says, excellent. We got Fanny from Oregon as well. Fanny Different says, states, power- actually. Powerful words. Love it. Go ahead and just uh, put in your questions. If you have any questions, we're still here. We're, uh, we're wrapping up very soon. Let me ask you, um, you're a champion. You are a winner in different areas. What, the, what is a normal day for you besides cycling? If you are not cycling, how does, it, how does a day work? Well, it's a no day without cycling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do something every day, right? Because for me, it's, it's you know, I mean, I think I almost enjoy the training more than the competition, right? Because it's important, right? I think, you know, your biggest asset, it's you. It's your, you know, ability to keep yourself healthy and ability to generate an income. It's what who you are and, you know, both mentally and physically, right? You know? Um, so it depends if I'm in the season, I'm, you know, with Ram, it's primarily training, right. But I'm also a speaker. I have a speaking bureau, you know, I'm with sorry, I don't have, I'm with a speaking bureau. So I speak to many different organizations, sports teams, um, high risk youth. I've been involved for many years. Um, uh, we're have a documentary that we're working on right now. And also we're being picked up by a new agency. So the book is going to be rewritten. So those are kind of the things that on the go right now. So it really depends where I am in the season. Awesome. Are we going to be seeing you in next year's race across America or are you going to train more? Not, I'll, I'll probably do race across the West next year and then I'll come to the 2023 race across America. There it goes to 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're training once again. All right, let's go to setting no limits, although there's some overlapping with the questions already. So uh, when you say to others, don't be afraid to push yourself and your limits, what does that mean? Well, I, again, like what I said earlier, I mean, you know, you're going to feel uncomfortable, right? And so what happens when a lot of people feel uncomfortable, they say, forget it, I'm done, right? You know, and so I think too, it's your ability to push yourself beyond your limits, you know, and being comfortable again, being uncomfortable um, and just, you know, being resilient enough to to take it, right? Because, you know, sometimes it's, it's who's it's mentally the strongest, not mentally, you know, or physically the, physically the strongest, right? So I think it's a huge thing is to, um, to be in those situations or try to replicate those situations that are the most uncomfortable. So you're not just experiencing it in your races and whatever that may be, but in your training or your preparation that you need to do in order to get to wherever you're going, right? Again, is replicating as close as you can some of the things you're going to go through. Like in RAM, for example, a big part of that is sleep deprivation, as you know, and the hallucinations, right? Because I mean, I saw things all over the place right? you know so i know how to control <laughs> it now right okay. so when you see something well you 
know. Well, a lot of times, I mean, I, you know, my crew would, would tell me if it's real or not. Well, I'd say, is that, you know, is that unicorn real? <laughs> so, so that's what happens because your brain goes like a potato. You know what I mean? So, you know. All right. So, well, let me see more. Um, you, you love cycling. Besides cycling, is there any other areas that, you know, like, what are the other top two things that you really like cannot live without? Um, I like nature. I love, I mean, I'm, I'm a dog person, right? So Popeye is, is my son. <laughs> it's 120 pound Dane mix, right? You know, so I like to go with him in the woods and just, you know, again, just to be with him and then in, in nature by myself, right away from the city. My family is very important to me. My parents, my mom is my best friend, right? You know, so I'm kind of tight with my family, you know, and yeah, just loving life, being positive and, and enjoying every minute while I can. Lay, you're only 52 years old. You have you don't like have to keep another, saying I'm 52. <laughs> you're only you have like another century to do all the other things to set no limits. I cannot <laughs> wait to actually see and witness what else is coming. Well, hopefully, when I'm 90, we'll have the same conversation. <laughs> I, well, I would love to. That would be <laughs> yeah. So, well, we're wrapping up. So, let me ask you what are um, what are the top three things because we have athletes who you know i think i could do that but you know there's always but and uh you are the expert of pushing through the limitation the no limitation what 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 would you advise those athletes who want to go for something big but being stopped because it could be like criticism from other people or they're scared that they might fail what are the top three things that you can advise those athletes? Well, I mean, again, it's just, it, it doesn't matter. There's a saying, it's none of your business what other people think of you, right? So remember that, yeah. you know. <laughs> and again, is is You're taking alive. the criticism, you know, and embrace it and use it, right? You know, and don't, again, don't worry about any, what other, anyone else says, right? You know, so you don't want regrets. Like a lot of people we sit, you know, like when we're faced with our fears, you know, there's that saying of fight or flight, but I think many of us, we freeze, right? We don't know what to do, right? Five, 10, 15 years go by and you're still frozen. You're still stuck in that same spot, right? You know, because I think, you know, your biggest regret in life is not the things that you've done, but the things that you haven't done. So you got to remember that, right? You know, because I remember my grandmother had this big impact on me, right? You know, she was sitting on her deathbed, you know, she had cancer and she, she was going to go, was, we knew in the next, you know, couple of weeks or whatever. And she, the last words she says to me is you never, ever want to have the words I wish or what if, right? So remember, I mean, this is a one-time deal, you guys, we're not here forever. It's either now or never. What are you waiting for? You know, what are you waiting for? For your 90, you know, if you keep repeating those those same things, it's going to hold you back. Just step out of that freaking, you know, uncomfort zone and get out of your comfort zone. And you'll be amazed at what you'll accomplish and how many, you know, opportunities that will open up for you and things that you'll discover about yourself, right? It'll make you a better person. It'll make you feel alive. And also, if not now, if you don't do it now, just see how much more you can go. If you don't act, if you just act now, you will be farther rather exactly. than freezing and not doing anything. Right. Exactly. You just stop talking about it. Just do it. You know that <laughs> saying, right? It's all the, the bark and no bite. I know. You know, stop barking. <laughs> We're tired. We're deaf. You know sure. what I mean? Stop making noise out of your mouth. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's right. what happens. Right. You know, it's like a broken record. When you hear, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Oh, zip it and just do it. Right. You know? And well, there's, there's one question that Simon's asking, what's her, what's your secret to balance your life and your training? 
the secret to, well, I think it's, it's really optimizing your time. Right. You know what I mean? I think um, I'm an early bird, so I'm quite productive on how I don't sit around and lounge. So I think, and I'm very organized and I think that's a big, big part. I've always been quite organized. Um, so I think, yeah, is planning your day, even writing it down will help. Right. You know, cause there's no such thing as you don't have time. There's no such thing. How many hours a day do you sleep? Eight. And you have all those hours left to do everything else. So don't say there's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, everyone, if you're getting a lot of value, hashtag value. Uh, and if you've been inspired with our interview with Leia Goldstein, you know, tell us, we want to know. Let's see, life is found in the dance between your deepest desire and your greatest fear. And that's Andrea. She's learning a lot from you, Leia. Um, so comment down below. If you've been inspired, you have big goals. Tell us your big goals under the comments. Say your big goals. What Leia say? Fear not. Do not be scared and go after it. Go after it. Or if you are being limited, if you are being limited with anything, say that also. I strongly suggest that. Welcome, Stephanie, another athlete. Welcome, Anthony. There are a lot of other athletes just actually just getting off from their work. All right. So. For today, I want to ask you, uh, I know you do have a book and also that documentary film. Do you mind telling us more about that? Like yeah, I mean, the book is just a reflection of my life starting way back when, um, going, you know, starting with the kickboxing, Taekwondo into Israel, um, and also my, my parents' background, right? My mother's escape. My mother was born in China, so her escape from co communist China. My father's, you know, his parents were uh, escaped from Auschwitz. So it, it goes back to the, to my roots, right? It's a little bit combination of everything. Yeah. And the documentary is kind of, follow, follow, they followed me for about three years. And again, going back to my history as well. So we're hoping that um, possibly the middle of next year, like spring of next year, it should be out. Nice. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing What's that. What's the title? The documentary? Well, yeah. Oh, right now it's called No Limits, but that potentially could change, right? It's still kind of rough. You know, we're just working on the finishing touches right now. Sure. I am super excited. And by the time you're actually finishing your race across West, <laughs> by the yeah. time that it's out, it's just perfect timing. Yeah, well, is hopefully. there anything else that uh, you wanted to tell our viewers, Laia? No, no, I just said, don't, you know, don't stop living, right? Again, is do everything that you, you want to do. Just make your, you know... Live your dreams. What can I tell you, right? You know, I said, it's it, life is too short. It's too short to sit there and wait to die. <laughs> you got to do things, you know, make your mark in this world. And that's going to, it'll change your life, right? Is doing things, setting goals and never stop setting goals. Well, thank you so much, Leia. So today we just unco uncover all the topic that we talk about today in making history, winning and setting no limits. We appreciate your time, Leia. So Thank happy you. to have you. Everyone who's tuning in, if you would like to, to actually comment there, tell us how you think, what you think about our live, and we're gonna have another weekly live next week. And till next time. Thank you, Leia. Have a great Thank evening. You. Bye. Thanks, you too, bye.